Hey guys, Mato here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Mato. Today, I'm so excited to have the guest on that we have on today. They are co-founders of Space Coyote, a pre-roll company that combines high-quality flour and high-quality potent extracts. Since the conception, Space Coyote has become the fourth largest infused pre-roll brand in the market. Their products can be found in over 300 dispensaries across the state of California. Between the pair, They've been featured in publications including, but not limited to, Forbes Authority and Vegas Cannabis Magazine. Welcome to the show, Mr. Scott Sunbor and Libby Cooper. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Why don't you give me a little background on the two of you? How did you meet and, and how did you come up with this idea? Um, well, Scott's very first uh, company was a company for people with food allergies, and I actually have um, celiac disease, which is not necessarily a food allergy, but it does mean that I can't eat gluten. So I was actually consumer research for his product before it ever even became a thing. So that was um, 2013, I think, mm -hmm. that we met yep. uh, through a Facebook ad. Um, I answered an ad because I wanted to uh, contribute to helping people like myself eat freely at restaurants. Gotcha. And this yeah. was a, this was at a time when you know more and more people were becoming more gluten insensitive or at least gluten yeah. aware. So mm -hmm. even people who aren't celiac disease sufferers actually have now decided and understood that you know you don't need to consume as much gluten as most and uh, most of the products that we have in the United States. So that was on a health and wellness tip that way. But what made you? think about getting into and shifting over into cannabis? I guess well, I, yeah, I actually worked in the cannabis space and Scott and I wanted to work together for many years, but um, he didn't want to be my boss. Uh, <laughs> you know, if I worked at his company, Nima, um, he very much would have been uh, my boss. So we actually decided that if we did work together, we wanted to be equals. Gotcha. So you came up with the name, Scott, how did you guys come up with the name Space Coyote? Yeah, so the the origin of the name is is a really fun story. So it was actually the the day after I had left that last company, Nima, um, and Libby helped plan a birthday party for me um, out in the desert in Joshua Tree. So we brought uh, twenty five of my closest friends there, um, and it happened to be a new moon and a meteor shower that weekend. So just beautiful stars. There were meteors flying everywhere. Um, I brewed a big batch of mushroom tea for everyone who was there. So. Everyone had some mushroom tea. We were tripping, walking around the desert. And just, I've never had a situation where I felt so much like we really were just on a rock flying through space. And we started hearing coyotes yipping. And just this whole experience was just so incredible. And we we just truly felt like we became space coyotes. Um, yes. So that, that name uh, came from that weekend. And it just really stuck. So... At that point, uh, Libby and I knew that the name was incredible. We knew that we wanted to create a cannabis company together. Um, it wasn't until about six months after that that we actually ended up deciding what products to create and started Space Coyote as a company. Um, but that weekend, just it, it was the perfect jumping off point. You know, very interesting, though, but you decided to go after pre-rolls that were infused with extracts. Mm hmm Yep. And, you know, had that been something you had already consumed yourself and purchased that at a dispensary and then realized, ah, we can do a better job than this. 
A, a little of both. Yeah. So we, we had been rolling joints like that ourselves. So um, prior to starting Space Caddy, one of my favorite ways to consume weed was to get some high CBD flour and roll that with some really nice hash and just get that, that beautiful effect from the hash, but also from the flour. Um, Libby had a lot of really incredible experience from her previous job in the cannabis industry where she was the creative director of Ease. And from that, we were just, we were able to see a lot of, of data on what, what people really like to consume. And so when we were looking at starting Space Coyote, we knew that people really like potent products. They want high quality products, but they want that price to THC ratio to be in the sweet spot. And we knew that we already liked these joints. Um, there wasn't at that time a ton of competition in the infused joint space. Uh, the ones that were on the market were sort of painted in in distillate and then rolled in keef, which um, in our opinion is just not a very high quality product. So we wanted to create that experience that we were already creating for ourselves and just make a really high quality infused joint um, that first of all, we wanted to smoke, but therefore the rest of the industry was also really excited about. And I like to give, I like to give the analogy just to interject that, um, you know, imagine eating a piece of toast that has not just been toasted and then you're eating it with nothing on it, but it's been toasted and then it sits on your shelf for a couple months, that piece of toast is gonna become so stale. And that's what's happening with weed, especially when it is ground up and rolled into a joint. So we think of the extract as the jam. It's very much the thing that keeps the flavor and the terpene profile of the plant, you know, for months without having preservatives in it. It's just the extraction method. And you also get a really nice, smooth smoke and an incredible high from it. So it's just overall a much better experience to smoke an infused joint. And it must, I mean, talk a little bit about the process of growing your company from the ground up and then to a company that is now saturated in the marketplace in California, especially up to 300 dispensaries. What was that like for you? It's been pretty crazy. I mean, Scott, you should, yeah. Scott's very much um, all back of house and I'm front of house. So anything that you visually see of Space Coyote comes from my brain and the actual product, the supply chain, keeping the company running is Scott's brain. Um, so Scott, perfect. Yeah, Scott, yeah. tell me a little bit about this. I mean, when you first started out, you had to literally go out in the, you know, check your supply chain and make sure that you were getting quality product in from multiple sources to be able to put together this this phenomenal individual product right yeah yeah and it was really the the way that we look at it is um we know that we're experts and really good at certain things and the areas that we're not we want to work with the best people in those areas and so today a lot of cannabis companies are vertically integrated so they have their own cultivation their own manufacturing maybe they do their own distribution um, in our eyes, those are three completely separate businesses, and it's very difficult for one company to be really good at all of those things. And so, we, yeah, we looked from the beginning to find just the best operators in their specific fields. Um, one of the ways that we did that was through the collaborations that we've done with extractors. And so part of that is we, we want to showcase to our, our customers that we're putting the best ingredients in there. And so if we're using hash from nasha or live resin from field those are names that customers already know and we're taking the best product that they have and putting it directly in our joints so um it definitely you know cannabis is is a very 
interesting industry compared to um, other other fields that that Libri I worked in. Um, when we first started the company, literally everything was happening in cash. We would have to go pick up a hundred grand, a couple hundred grand from our distributor, bring it to our suppliers. Um, now things are changing there. The, the industry is becoming a lot more mature, but um, really it was as, as with many other startups, we had to start small living. I started with our own savings for our first batches um, and really tried to prove the market, made, made sure that we could validate or invalidate our own assumptions. Um, and when we saw the, the early reception to the product, it was just it was so positive. As soon as we gave one of our joints to a buyer or to a store manager, um, all they had to do was try it. And then they said, oh, yeah, yeah, let's let's bring this in. So we were then able to take that and start start building off of it um, to the point that we are at now where, yeah, we're one of one of the largest uh, infused joint brands in the state. Um, we're growing at a really great clip and, and have a, a solid team that is is helping us get there. And how do you how do your space roles space coyote pre-rolls compare to some of the other pre-rolls that are in the market? I mean, it's really interesting. Like, uh, you know, I've been in and out of this business and I'm in it myself. And, you know, back 10 years ago, I started, I think, one of the first distillate brands where I literally was making carts that were percentages of CBD, THC distillate mm-hmm. together with a particular terpene profile for a morning, afternoon, and evening, I kind of separated into five different components. One is a, you know, a, a 1090, which is 10% THC, 90% CBD. Another one is mm. 25% THC, 75% CBD, 50-50, and then reverse it. 75% THC, 25% CBD, and then a actual 90% THC, 10% CBD. I do that for a reason. You know, I, I, I was, was formulating for myself. And, you know, I have MS and there was times that I need a bigger bang than I don't and at other times that I don't need a big bang. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that I kind of put that together that way. Do you do it that or are you are you formulating for effect in a sense or are you formulating for taste or what are you formulating for? You know, it is uh, really formulated for um, potency at this point. Um, this sort of goes back to. Um, just being good entrepreneurs. Um, We have in the past done um, amazing CBD to THC ratios, but they just didn't sell that well. So it's, it's this delicate dance that we're always playing of, you know, how do we make sure that the product is going to be the guaranteed win? How is it going to just automatically sell versus, you know, what do we want? What do we need? Especially also both having autoimmune diseases. Um, but I think when it comes to our strain pairings, we're always looking for the right combination of the flower being a specific strain and the extract being a specific strain and the flavor combinations together, creating something delicious and a really good high. We've definitely done some strain pairings that are pretty crappy, but our honestly, like our North Star is the potency at this point. And that, you know, hopefully will change, but it is what the customer wants. And that is how we've had so much success as a really small team. Well, and what kind of extracts do you use? You clearly use some distillate, but you also use cold water hash, you use keef, you use, explain to me, you know, the, the varied kinds of extracts that you're using in your pre-rolls. And then so do, you we, pair them, do you pair them 
with an extract version of the same strain or do you compare them with an extract version of a different strain trying to incorporate terpene profiles together? Uh, give me a little explanation on that. We actually don't use any distillate um, and we are soon going to be releasing a Keef joint, but previously we didn't do any Keef joints. Um, up until this point, we've done hash, live resin and diamonds, which is really just THCA. But when we sold it as a THCA infusion, it didn't sell as well as selling it labeled diamond uh, infusion, of course, marketing <laughs> at its finest. Um, but we do do different strains. So um, we typically will have a flower strain and the extract strain being two completely different things. Um, more recently, we've started to explore the idea of having the double, um, you know, doing uh, the flower and then actually sending that specific flower strain to the extractor and having it pressed or, you know, washed um, so that we could get a hash out of it. But um, yeah, we actually like doing the blend of um, the two different strains. Each, each flower versus extract, we never blend them within those categories, but having the combination of the two really does create something special. Absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah. and of course, I, mean, I guess you must have somebody formulating per terpenes for you, right? I mean, like I, I literally for 20 years now, and I think long before, you know, it was kind of vogue. I was a uh, uh, Girl Scout cookies blue dream uh, mixer. And I'm a, I have, really? been, I have been a Keef smoker since 2000, long before yeah. the uh -huh. vogue. And yeah. I literally was looking for a higher CBD product that I could mix with that because, you know, mm -hmm. when I would take, you know, the Keef from blue dream and I take the Keef from, you know, Girl Scout cookies, I put that together. Sometimes that bang was just a little bit too much. Not mm -hmm. that you got too high, but, you know, sometimes because of the terpene profile of both of those cultivars, you know, there is a tendency, and I think a lot of people have a tendency to get a little jittery or you get a little bit anxious. And so if you were to add a little bit of CBD on top of that as you consume, that CBD helps to buffer down for me, and everybody's a little different, but it would buffer down for me some of that anxiety. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I would notice that if makes I, a lot of sense. You know, like I go to a movie you know, and I'd like to catch a nice big buzz if I'm going to go see a sci-fi movie. And I would go in sometimes to a sci-fi movie where if I didn't have that CBD on top, I'd literally be in my chair like this going, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh -huh. well, off the screen of me. But then, you know, you add a little bit of CBD to it. It's like, yeah, you got a blind mm -hmm. along with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and that's what's fun, too, with the those three different uh <laughs> different product lines that we have because the the hash infusion definitely provides a different effect than the live resin or the diamonds infusion and so for me the diamonds infusion is more of almost this kind of sparkly or psychedelic high and the, <laughs> the hash infusion is more of a a full-bodied you're getting more of the the plant compounds more of the terpenes in there um and the live resin is kind of this this in between this you get a bunch of terpenes but you also get a ton of potency and so we've found that you know different people like like different ones the hash infused ones are my favorite um but sometimes you know if i'm gonna go spend some time in nature or a hike then i might might rip some of the diamonds infused joint and get that a little extra sparkly tingle absolutely the two of you like share role as ceo correct you kind of bounce back and forth right what's each person yeah. what's, what's each person's responsibility 
So we have um, alternated annually. The CEO title, Scott is CEO now, and I'm president. Um, but we've done it as a symbol of equality. Um, our roles don't change when we take on that CEO title. Um, you know, Scott is very much in the supply chain operations, financial side of the business. And I'm much more in the um, branding, design, um, anything visual uh, side of the business. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, we want more people to do the same, same sort of thing. Uh, it started because we actually don't interact with many female CEOs. And during our fundraise, I don't think we talked to any um, female investors. So it's really just trying to get people to see that, you know, there is flexibility in these roles. And um, yeah, actually, Scott, I'd love to hear what you think of it. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's spot on. It's, it, for us, it's really, we, we see ourselves as, as equal co-founders. And um, from, it's, it's a bit confusing to have two CEOs. And so from our perspective, the, the easiest way to present that outwardly was to, to alternate those titles. And um, like Libby said, our, our day-to-day roles don't really change with that. Um, but we found it uh, works really well within our organization. Yeah, we were forced into it. We were forced into it because of um, signing some bank statements at first. I think that's what it was. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I mean, you know, from an activism <laughs> standpoint and an advocacy standpoint, I think it's a good example of, you know, leadership by example. And, you know, when we're looking at an industry right now that still today has probably less than 8% of the entire or the, the entire business is female run. Yeah. Um, I think it's important that, you know, if it's a company that's been formed this way, that you pick that best step, you know, your best step, best foot forward and show people mm-hmm. that. You know, there's a female here that's doing the job that any other male can do. So I congratulate yeah. you on that. But from an advocacy standpoint, what else are you guys working on? So we have in the past supported different initiatives, including Last Prisoner Project. Um, our biggest initiative uh, has always been supporting up and coming artists. Uh, it was something that Space Coyote was founded on. You know, we... Um, and actually, a little bit of a personal story. I always wanted to be an artist since the age of five. And I think because I grew up in the Bay Area in California, I was very much surrounded by um, entrepreneurs and big thinkers. And my parents really pushed me in the direction of a profession that would um, make me money and, and not struggle. And, and I am honestly grateful for it. But there is always a piece of me that wishes that I was an artist and just, you know, living each day spontaneously, just creating to create, not not doing design work, which is very much for a function and a purpose. Um, and so well, when we found it, one of the perfect things for that kind of a mindset, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so when we, we founded Space Coyote, we wanted to sponsor up and coming artists in small ways, whether it was um, commissioning a piece that was, uh, we give them the parameter of uh, do something that was inspired by the Space Coyote brand or inspired by smoking one of our joints. Um, or we would do a monthly retainer to allow them to put on their own events. Um, we helped one artist host her very first solo gallery show. So we've done very much um, 
one-off individual things depending on who the art is because I think that's what art is you know what no one program could fit everybody's needs um and at this point as Space County has really grown um we're actually in the process of figuring out how do we expand our initiatives how do we reach a larger audience um we've done some collaborations on products with big musicians um such as poolside last year that was really fun but yeah, we, we just wanted to reach bigger now. As the company has gone from small company to medium company now, we're sort of like, oh shit, we, we could be really big. Um, we also want our impact to be big as well. And, you know, and, and talking about that, because let, let's talk about this from an industry standpoint. I, I have been, you know, on a tirade for years now talking about the fact that, you know, though this industry has done a really, I think, pretty good job from a B2B standpoint, you know, we do a really piss poor job from a B2C standpoint. Mm -hmm. What I mean by B2C is that means from business to consumer. You know, we're so busy trying to figure out how we, you know, eke out our own little footprint and get our own little piece of the pie. And, you know, this business hasn't even grown bigger than, you know, the Wright brothers pushing a wooden plane down a hill. There's trillions of dollars <laughs> in the future. Yet we spend so much time fighting each other. What are you guys doing to see if we can, and I say this to almost everyone that I have on my podcast, is that I think more so than ever, right now, this is a critical time and a critical mass for a cannabis industry to figure out how we can stop fighting each other and start collaborating with each other to make sure that we get this movement moving forward. You know, mm -hmm. you've got diehards that are out here that are leaving fingernail marks down the highway, trying their mm -hmm. best to just destroy this industry any way they can. You look at DeSantis in Florida, you look at, <clears throat> you know, the governor of Illinois and several of the governors of Pennsylvania, even though they've put, they are under the gun with having to administrate the legislative changes that have happened in their state, they're trying to do so in ways that they throw up roadblocks. So what are you going to convince some of these other people in this industry that look, dude, you're going to have a shelf space right beside mine. You're going to make money the same time that I do. Why can't we get together and go to Washington DC and, and, and let, let's lobby or why can't we get together and put together, let's say, you know, an OTT channel just for cannabis. And that yeah. way the FCC can't, step in and say, no, you can't advertise. Yes, you can advertise on your own OTT. But as long as we keep fighting each other, I liken the cannabis industry to, you know, the hyperbaric industry. Do you know anything about the hyperbaric industry? It took the no, hyperbaric no. industry 10 years to be even acknowledged as, an, uh, as a uh, recognizable medical protocol. Why? Because everybody mm -hmm. in hyperbarics was fighting each other. It's just something that's going on right here. We're fighting each other. So what do you think about that? And how do we move this industry forward? Yeah, so one of the things that, that we talk about a little bit, and uh, we, we've been running our company like this from day one, but there's this concept that Simon Sinek talks about of the, uh, the infinite game versus the finite game. And a finite game is, you can think of like a sports event. It's fixed players, fixed rules, and it has a certain time period, and there's a winner at the end. An infinite game is life it's uh, not fixed players anyone can come and go and the the goal of the game is to stay in the game as long as possible and that's not how most businesses operated today especially in america most businesses operated with this finite mentality i think there's a handful of companies 
that have done a good job of operating in this more of this infinite mentality. But with that, the the goal isn't necessarily to beat your competition. The goal is for the industry to be as successful as possible. And so one of the things that that we've done from day one is these collaborations with other brands. So um, we do collaborations with other extract brands. We've done some collaborations with flower brands where we actually put their logo on our product alongside ours. And from our perspective, and, and even, even some of the brands that we've worked with have gone on to launch their own infused joints afterwards that are competitive product stars. But but we don't we don't care about that because there's plenty of space in this industry for all of us. And really what's important is that we create this spirit of being able to foster collaboration and foster helping each other. And rather than trying to get the best price at the best time and negotiate the hardest, this is about how can we all survive and how can we bring this industry up as much as possible? I mean, you're talking about a saying that I've, I've uh, promoted myself for years, which is a rising tide lifts all boats. People don't understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, when you start fighting against the tide, that's when ships get blasted against the, you know, the rocks and get destroyed. And right now, we've opened ourselves up to destruction around the nation. As much as we're getting more and more states to jump aboard, those states are jumping aboard fighting against the state that's right next door to them because they don't exactly. want to. So it's, it's, it's gotten to the point right now where I think we're almost like our worst enemies. Um, you know, uh, I thank you both for being uh, participants in, uh, I just say, it, the, in the last President Project. I've been uh, very much involved with them for the last couple of years and uh, applaud all the work that they are doing and continue to do. Mm-hmm. But we need even more of that. And I think what we really so much need more. No kidding. So much more. And then what we really need is, you know, again, because the the bigger the industry gets, the harder the pushback becomes. If you take a look at what's happening where, you know, every any second that we say the wrong thing on this podcast, boom, I get yanked. Now, why yes. does that happen? How does that how can that possibly happen in a time when I don't know, you are you Netflix consumers? Do you guys watch TV shows and things like that? Not too much, yeah. but here and there. Well, but yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Here, I'll throw one out to you. Have you noticed, like, I, I and my wife, that that happens to be some of our our big time fun. You know, we we, catch, <laughs> we we we're always looking for somebody who will recommend a brand new series for us to tune into. And we'll look at it. We binge watch. You know, six seven. Yeah. Um, but I, I can take notes. I, I, I should be taking notes, but I don't. But every there has not been one series that I have looked at in the last year where the hero or the heroine or anybody in the show does not come home from work. First thing they do is pour themselves a four finger shot of some brown liquor and throughout the entire show. I don't care what it is. It could be a cop show, science show, science fiction show. It could be on Mars. They're pouring a brown liquor into a glass, belting down a big shot. I don't know anybody personally that takes, you know, two, three finger shots before they sit down to dinner. I don't know anybody. Maybe I'm, I'm living yeah. in the wrong space. However, if you were to walk in and have them fire up a joint, show's off the air. What? What, uh-huh. what? what are we trying mm-hmm. to do people out here? Yeah. And I mean, I think we, we see that so clearly today, just in so many, so many environments. And, and I've, I mean, I've seen this with, with family and with friends, but it's, it's this perspective of, oh yeah, drinking, drinking alcohol is totally fine. But as soon as 
you know, an, an adult takes a hit of a joint, especially God forbid that it's around a kid or a teenager, then that's absolutely horrible. But when you look at it, how many deaths does alcohol cause every year? How many broken homes? How many abusive husbands? Like it's compare that to to weed where what's the worst that's going to happen is you might get a little bit lazy. Like, right. right. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's like the whole idea of, you know, the 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 sprinter that was, you know, uh, oh yeah, Shakira Richardson. Yeah, suspended from the Olympics because she she hit a joint because she got some devastating news and wanted to yeah. actually deal with that devastating news. So she hit a joint. But you would have preferred her to go home and drink a fifth five days in a row and then not even be able to perform as an athlete. I mean, how mm-hmm. ignorant can we be? What do you think about the you know, what's your your thoughts, both of you, on you know you coming from California and uh, you know uh, your attorney general who is now our vice president you know, who talked all this smack for two years leading up to the election. Vote for me, vote for me, because I, <laughs> you know, I used to smoke myself. <laughs> but she also used to make sure she arrested more people for nonviolent cannabis offenses in the state of California when cannabis was legal than anybody before her. But they talked all this smack about, you know, we get in our first hundred days, we're going to make sure we do something legislatively to change cannabis. And now they haven't done a damn thing. So what do you mm-hmm. think about that? I mean, I think it's bullshit. Uh, I think yeah. the what what came out from from Schumer is just this this big nothing burger. I think that it's I mean, more than half of the country has or half of the states in the country have voted to legalize cannabis. 37, in some states, form. 37 states in the District of Columbia. Yeah, exactly. And I, I forget what the latest polls were, but something like 80 percent think that it should be decriminalized or legalized. And and it's really, I mean, when when you look at it, it's it's very clear that it's financially driven. The same reason why you know interstate commerce isn't allowed uh, with with cannabis that's that's financially driven. There's, I mean, can every state that legalizes cannabis, opioid use goes down, alcohol use goes down. Those those industries have massive lobbyists, and it's really, I mean, politicians were voted in because they're supposed to listen to what their constituents want. And this is, I think, just one more very clear indication of their constituents want something very clearly. They vote for it. 37 states have voted for it. And yet the federal government isn't doing anything to to further it. So it's uh, I I was very hopeful with this uh, new administration that uh, we would have a little bit more progress. Um, I think there's still time. But so far, I think what we've seen has been uh, disappointing. I, I think, honestly, you, you're not going to see anything out of this administration until about 2023 when they're ready to try to get reelected. And then all of a sudden they're going to come up kissing our butts again, knowing that there's a large group of people who are disappointed in the fact that they didn't come through with the promises that they made to begin with. But I mm-hmm. think that it'll still wind up on deaf ears. I just really don't think this administration, when you have a president of the United States who still thinks that cannabis is a gateway drug, we got problems. You know what yeah. I mean? Right? Yeah. We got a problem. You know? yeah. um, so what do you what would you like to see happen with the industry? What do, what do you think is going to happen with this industry over the next year, next five years, say next 10? Uh, 10 is a long time. So the next yeah. five years. It's so funny to um, answer that question because I don't know what it's going to look like in like six months. Um, but we can all <laughs> hope and dream. Um, you know, I, I just want to be able to export across state lines. Um, that is my hope and dream within the next five years, you know, 
fingers crossed, maybe all the fingers crossed. Don't get uh, mad at me. Don't get mad at me, but I gotta tell you, I think you're just dreaming. Even if the federal government steps in and says that we're gonna, you know, change it from mm-hmm. schedule one to schedule two, you got states where there are, excuse yeah. my mouth, just a holes that are out there that are trying their yeah. best to keep their own little fiefdom. Yeah. I think it'll yeah. be I, 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 before we actually see, I think, distribution of product across state lines, we've got 10 years before yeah. that happens. Because yeah. all these old crappies have to die. Yeah. What doesn't make sense to me is that uh, how are people not seeing uh, the tax implications, how much money the states and the federal government can make? It It, it is so ass backwards. Um, and I'd love to see some legislation where the U.S. does allow the interstate commerce um, and and does that for many years before letting in the international commerce because international coming. I know it's coming. I know, but Mm -hmm. I I would much rather have the states make the money that they've worked so hard for um, for at least a few years before that gets opened up. But I I have um, a bit of a fear that uh, international is going to happen at the same time, and it's just going to crush the states. Without even the fanfare or the information that should have been distributed to all of us who are in this business inside these 50 contiguous states, no one has let you know that already distillate from foreign nations is already hitting the ground here, mm-hmm. especially if it's CBD, not THC, yeah. but anything mm-hmm. CBD, any of the other cannabinoids that are not THC cannabinoids are already here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you probably could, could, could smack me upside the head, but I'm involved with two international companies that I one, smart. Of, one of one of which has one point I think it's, it's it's one and a half hectares of land two wow. million acres under contract wow. and another country that has a million acres under contract that right now already in their countries are allowing them to one of those countries doesn't even allow the sale of the product that they are allowing people to grow, process, dist- extract, and then distribute it outside of their country. It's already happening. You know, the U.S. doors. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I mean, and and how how dare our government, especially, you know, uh, uh, the people on the border control, try to think that they can literally truly test for number one impurity, but test for number two, the amount of THC that might be in a product batch that's coming in here by the tonnage, by the literage. Come on. Mm-hmm. How are we going to compete? We, especially when right now, states like California, I'm sorry, fortunately for you guys, I mean, the global warming is really putting a dent. Nobody's talking about that either yet. You know, this heat wave that just went through this summer, if it continues through October, this is going to damage crop in mm-hmm. our business. And the fires damage crops every year. The smoke damages crops. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I I really feel for the farmers, especially up north in California that have to deal with this every year and have fear of their homes burning down and their entire crops and livelihoods burning down. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we saw with the, the latest, uh, the latest climate uh, study that came out, just how how dire the situation really is. But that's, yeah, it's something that 
really is not getting enough media attention and is not getting enough attention from our, our politicians. Have you been, are, are you guys, has your supply chain been impacted so far this, this year because of the, you know, the, just the, the crazy amount of fire that's going on right now. And the fact that, you know, we're not really, you know, hemp is, is an, an easy to grow plant, but it's a tough plant to grow when you stay at perpetual temperatures over a hundred degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our our supply chain hasn't been affected this year. The the other interesting thing kind of getting to your question of what do we expect to happen in the next few years? But this is the first year where uh, we've truly seen a supply surplus in California on the flower right. side. Um, so that's been something that we have been you know predicting would happen for the past few years. Uh, this year, it, it's finally happening. So flour is finally getting commoditized, which was expected. It took a little bit longer than expected. But now farmers and cultivators are having to deal with, okay, they might have some of last year's crop left over or the outdoor cultivators can't get the same price that they used to. Um, so from, from our perspective as a brand, um, we think it could be good for us because it means that we could get better margins, but it could be bad for us if it means that the market is flooded with a bunch of low cost product. Um, so we'll really have to see how that shakes out. But one thing I think will happen for sure is um, more consolidation. Um, I think that that just has to happen with just economies of scale. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see what what type of impact it has just on the industry overall in the next year or two. Absolutely. Well, if people wanted to find out more about the product or more about what you guys are about, where would they go? So you can go to our website. It's spacecarty.org. And we have an Instagram, Space Coyote Official. Unfortunately, Instagram, this is something we didn't talk about, um, but you did touch on with a, a bit of the advertising restrictions. You know, these these platforms um, can delete your account at, at any moment. So we, we have had that happen. So we're on our third handle. Um, we do have a TikTok. It's the Space Coyote. And you can find each of us individually. I'm at Libby Cooper. He is at Scott Sunvor. Um, and you can always reach out. We love talking to people, answering questions, especially about starting your own business because the cannabis industry is still really new. Um, I, I, we just, I, I, we just I, like helping people. I want to go back to saying exactly new. This bit, We are just seriously, we are no further along than the Wright brothers pushing that wooden plane, plane down yes. I think there's yeah. so much. I mean, again, the fact that you know uh, we we we're living off of this idea that you know there's only two of the 250 plus cannabinoids in the plant worth talking about. Come on, now, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, we we know for a fact that the person who even created this or or discovered this stated unequivocally that this worked as an entourage effect. And you know the the fact that you have diamonds, which is THCA, that's a different cannabinoid. So I mean, yeah. you know, uh-huh. again. Is not psychotropic in its own until you heat it, but it has medical benefits to it if it's not heated. People don't yeah. understand THCA is a really unbelievable anti-inflammatory. So, you know, if you were to mix that with CBD and with some CBN and maybe some CBG, you could have probably one of the most restful sleeps you've ever had. But people mm-hmm. aren't thinking in that way yet. So, I mean, it's going to take a while for this industry, I think, to mature and recognize that education, education, education is probably the most important thing that we could all be working on right now. hundred percent. So I can't thank the two of you enough for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montella today. You always have a home here if you want to come on back and we can talk a little bit more. And, um, you know, Libby Scott, I wish you the best. I want you to stay safe, stay well. 
Thank you so much. This has Thank been really you so fun. Much. It was great to be here. Absolutely. It's been great to have you on. Okay. And I want all of you at home, make sure you keep tuning in to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thank you.